Welcome, Nonproductive Universe, to another bone-breaking edition of Nonproductive's Wrestling Recap. I'm your host, Big Papa Pete, flying solo tonight because it's Valentine's Day and Longshot Ken has better things to do. But rest assured, dear listeners, I'm still here to give you your weekly 10 count of all the important goings-on within the squared circle. So without further ado, let's ring that bell and dive right in with number one. First off, rumor has it that Dolph, one foot out the door Ziggler, has signed himself a shiny new contract. Reports say that it's a sweetheart deal where he agrees to do whatever garbage creative comes up with for him, and in exchange, he gets a nice pay bump, the ability to do as many outside projects as he likes, and the right to leave the arena once he's done for the night, unlike everyone else who has to stay until the end. If this is true, it's one of the worst examples of WWE's we-have-no-idea-what-to-do-with-you-but-we-don't-want-you-wrestling-for-anyone-else mindset I've ever seen. Oh well, if Nikki's happy with the deal, who am I to judge? Number two, Braun Strowman beats the snot out of Elias with a double bass. Elias Sampson, I mean, just Elias, annoys the heck out of me. But I'll admit, he has the guitar-wielding egotist shtick down almost as good as Jeff Jarrett. <coughs> Hall of Fame, question mark? <coughs> to see Strowman turn that around on him was brilliant. The whole segment was an example of what cartoonish pro wrestling can be at its best. Braun's introduction interrupting Elias' song. Braun's unsurprising inability to produce music out of the bass. Braun's surprising ability to carry a tune, followed by a predictable squash match where they effectively, very effectively, kept the audience on the edge of our seats, wondering, is Braun going to do anything with that big old bass? Sure, everyone wanted to see Strowman lift that gigantic musical instrument over his head and bash it down onto Elias, but they teased it out to the point where we needed to see it. And when the moment finally came, it was that much sweeter. Congrats to both men for putting on a clinic of how to build a good segment. And I've even gained some respect for Elias for taking that shot clean. Well done. Stepping out of the ring for a moment, number three, WWE Network had a new episode of Ride Along featuring Elias and the club. That's Anderson, Gallows, and Finn Balor for the uninitiated. Forgetting the Elias bits because ugh. The club's drive was some of the most entertaining content that WWE has put out in months. These three guys, and through inference we can add AJ Styles to the mix, are clearly good friends who have a blast with each other and don't mind being the butt of each other's jokes. Please, WWE, give these guys a solid push as a team and let them off the leash. Or if you won't do that, at least give them their own network show and let us watch them sitting around telling road stories and pranking each other. Number four, back in the ring, but on a related note still, let's talk about the New Day and Pancakes. Having grown up Catholic, as soon as their music hit last night, I made the connection, New Day, Pancakes, Day Before Ash Wednesday. I still honestly could not believe I heard the increasingly obscure tradition of Pancakes on Shrove Tuesday referenced on WWE TV. Once again, the proponents of positivity proved themselves to be a near-perfect combination of smart and funny. What a shame Big E's pancake-eating record attempt was interrupted by Benjamin and Gable. As talented as they are in the ring, New Day's antics are so good, I almost get bored watching them just wrestle. Number five, Ronda Rousey contract signing at Elimination Chamber? Come on, let's be honest, contract signings are a crappy cop-out when they're on Raw, but on a pay-per-view? Come on, WWE, you're better than this. The world is watching with this one. Step up your game. Number six, 
The death of branded pay-per-views. Apparently, sometime after WrestleMania, WWE is dropping the idea of branded pay-per-views. That's where Raw hosts one, then SmackDown hosts the other, and never the twain shall meet. Supposedly, this is due to a drop in ticket sales and the realization that repetitious booking is resulting in stale content. Maybe keep Owens and Zayn away from each other for a while. Just a thought. This is potentially a good thing, as long as it actually results in some new superstar rivalries. Number seven, over in 205 Live. Remember 205 Live? Drake Maverick, the superstar formerly known as Rockstar Spud, is killing it as a revolutionary character in modern WWE. A competent manager. Saddled two weeks ago with the Herculean task of reforming the tarnished image of the cruiserweight division, Maverick has hit the ground running. Between his decisive, energetic, on-screen managing and his almost constant social media promotion, Drake Maverick has made huge strides in bringing 205 Live back to its roots in 2016's outstanding Cruiserweight Classic. Number 8. Woken Matt Hardy Woken Matt Hardy is trying so hard to rekindle the broken magic, both in and out of the ring. His YouTube spots are fantastic. The few solid spots they've allowed him to do on TV have also been excellent. A memorable exchange with Bray Wyatt during Monday's Fatal Five-Way match blended the deliciously over-the-top characterization his Woken persona is known for with a demonstration of his often overlooked athletic ability. It's easy to forget that behind the manic laughter and the insane ramblings about strategizing with Napoleon, Matt Hardy is a 26-year veteran who is arguably at the top of his technical game. With his athletic prowess and a proven gimmick unlike anything else in the industry, Woken Matt should be front and center in the WWE's spotlight. Unfortunately, they seem satisfied with giving him only the most half-hearted push. Number 9. I don't like ending the show on a negative note, so I'm going to do these last two real quick and hope you don't notice. Turning the second chance four-way into a five-way was dumb. Adding a seventh man to the elimination chamber on Raw is slightly more interesting, but still dumb. And number 10. Why does SmackDown always have to mirror Raw? Absolution and the Riot Squad debut on the same week. Now both shows are doing the add extra guys to a match bit. I'm still not sure what Styles Owens Zane 2 The Wrath of Shane was supposed to accomplish. But now, Styles Owens Zane Corbin Ziggler makes even less sense. Oh well, maybe this will actually lead someplace interesting in time for WrestleMania. See, I kinda ended it on a positive, right? And there you have it, Nonproductive's Wrestling Recap. Want to add your own two cents? Join the Nonproductive Fan Club group on Facebook and tell us what you think. I'm Big Papa Pete, and I'll be back next week with more wrestling news than Cesaro can swing an oily 300-pound man at. This has been a Nonproductive Media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Nonproductive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.